1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, a few of the real estate headlines from this week. I'm going to toss them over to you, okay? Prices break records. Migration back to the city is on. Canadian home prices up 20%, but... Get ready for a summer recession. Lots of versions out there, lots of interpretations of these headlines. Is it crashing? Is it slower? Should we worry? Well, great questions. And and yeah, there was a, you know, what a range of different headlines, 20% mm-hmm. up, but yet we're going to see a recession. So, you know, let's start off with, is it slower? It is slower out there. And, you know, why is it slower? Interest rates have just gone up, and and people get concerned. They get a little bit panicky, and and that's with any change. We see a bit of a holding pattern. It takes about a month or so for people to get comfortable with the change, and then it becomes the the normal way of doing business. It, like no different than when the stress test was announced or when all of those rules were announced in 2017. It takes people a couple of months or a month to get a handle on what's going on and what they're going to qualify for. And then they get going. It's also March break. And, you know, with March break coinciding with everything opening up in the world, people are traveling. Look on Facebook or Instagram and you see vacation pics from pretty much everybody. And, you know, they haven't been out for two years. So this is a great thing. And they're taking their kids out and they're off from school. So, you know, after two years, people want to get out and they've had these vacations planned for a while and they're finally able to go through with them. So this is a typical slowdown for March break. If this was not a COVID year, uh, unlike the last two, this is not, uh, or, or it's as normal as we've been in the last two years, but this is how March break usually goes. It's, it's really quiet. We don't usually want to list houses in or around March break. Uh, because the traffic's not there. And that's what we're seeing right now. It, it was a slowdown leading into March break. There's going to be a, a little bit of a lull heading out of March break, but then it's going to be okay. Now, we spoke about this a little bit when we were off the air, but let's let's talk about it here. You know, you had mentioned that homes are sitting for longer periods of time. They aren't getting the same number of offers. What's that all about? Yeah, so when there's not a lot of traffic coming to your homes, you're not going to get the same number of eyeballs out there. The other thing that we have to remember, there was a lot of buyer fatigue. People were up against 15, 20, 30 offers forever. And now what they've been doing is they're saying, you know what, I'm just going to wait until there's more inventory. There was nothing to see last month or the month before, the month before that. We had less than one month of inventory. So even as realtors, we're telling our clients, listen, instead of just going out and seeing one house and trying to put an offer on it, let's just wait until there's more inventory. And then you have a selection. And then you know that what you're buying is really what you want because people were scrambling and just buying whatever came on the market. So buyers were waiting for more inventory. And when do we usually get more inventory? It's the springtime. 
people get their homes ready during the late winter months and then they'll start putting their houses on the market when it shows a little bit better outside, the weather's nicer. That's traditionally when we get more inventory and that's no different than what's happening right now. So now we start seeing inventory and people start panicking and saying, there's houses on the market, there's, there's for sale signs, there's, they're not all sold. But this is typical of what happens right now. And the thing is, it's going to take about four or five months of inventory for it to really change the dynamics of the market. It's still a seller's market. And you get a different type of seller's market, though. Right now, your house needs to show really well, and you need to be 100% ready to go when your house is the market. It's not like a few months ago when you could put anything on the market and you don't even have to clean your house or stage it or anything. It's going to sell because you're the only game in town. Now you've got competition. You said this is a seller's market. Then this is a still a good time for sellers, right? It really is. And again, you know, like we just said, you, you can't price your house low and just leave it for people to come and determine what the value is. That time is gone. That's usually a, a winter strategy or a fall strategy because there's not a lot of inventory. And that's when you get the multiple offers. So in a traditional year, in a typical year, Prior to 2020, you would get multiple offers, typically January, February, maybe early part of March, but you wouldn't necessarily get a lot of multiple offers or bidding wars heading into the spring and summer. And then sometimes you would get them again in the fall. And that's because there's limited inventory. There's still a lot of demand and it's a supply and demand issue. But now you can't do that because you have competition. So if you price it at Seven ninety nine, which seemed to have been the magic price point uh, a couple of years ago. If if you price that seven ninety nine, you may only get a couple of offers, and it may only go up to nine hundred thousand. But you you know your house is worth one point two million. So why would you want to use that strategy right now? Now the realtors have to do their homework, and they have to make sure that they're pricing homes properly at market value for the sellers to get the true value of their home. Now, what about in terms of conditions? Will we see home inspections and financing conditions come back now that the market is a little bit slower? We sure will. And again, being a different market, you don't get the same competition for each home as you have in the last few months even. And the as the inventory levels increase, we're going to start to see homes get one offer or two offers or three offers. And this is where people will have an opportunity to have a home inspection before they buy the home. They'll be able to put in a finance condition. Just, you know, there's been so many issues with appraisals lately because the prices have climbed, you know, so high in the last couple of years, the banks are tightening up and saying, hold on, what if there is a crash? And and what if this is a bubble? We want to protect ourselves. So the banks are being tight with the appraisals and, there's a lot of homes that aren't appraising, so the deals are falling apart. So you want to make sure that you have time for a financing condition that's going to allow you an appraisal. Now, a lot of the banks are so backed up, they don't usually do an appraisal until a couple of weeks before closing anyway. So even though you have a five-day financing uh, condition, you may not be able to get an appraisal in at that time. So you really have to know your numbers. So as a buyer, you want your realtor to explain the numbers to you and make sure that you're not getting in over your head. And as a seller, it's the same thing. You want to make sure that you know the numbers. So if someone is offering you $200,000 over market value, sounds really great, and, and you want to take that money, 
but will the deal close? Because it could just be a deal on paper that's going to fall apart. And now you're starting from scratch in about two or three months when it could be a totally different market. Well, then how does a a buyer or a seller find the right agent? Find the agent that knows how to recognize this change in the market right now and knows the proper strategy, the right strategy to use. Well, experienced agent is uh, is key there, Tina, when you said that. And it's you got to ask questions. I mean, the reality is a lot of agents out there right now, we've had tremendous growth in the number of agents over the last couple of years because people saw it as something that they could do. They were sitting at home. They, they could take their courses online, and they didn't get the full value of the education because a lot of it comes from the interactions, you know, talking to other realtors. And they haven't had that. They haven't even had that in their offices after they got licensed. So they're they're only used to the market that we had over the last two years. They haven't seen any other type of market. And and it depends on the type of support they have as well. You know, who are they going to in their office? I'll tell you, we have a lot of new agents in our offices as well. And I make sure I'm available to them all the time so that if they're clients or they have questions, I can answer them. So I'm their support system. You have to figure out what type of support system your agent has or if they're experienced enough and how many markets they've seen. You know, being in this business for a long time, we've seen all the different markets. We've seen the peaks and the valleys. We understand market dynamics and how it changes month to month, not only year to year, but it's a very different ballgame out there right now than it was even two weeks ago. So if you can identify that and you can explain that to your clients and the clients can ask you questions about the different types of strategies that you use at different types of the year, because the client may come back and say, you know, my neighbor priced at $9.99, I want to price at $9.99 because they got $2 million. Well, it's a different type of strategy to use right now. You can't use that same strategy, even though the neighbor did it and it was three weeks ago, that time is gone. So now it's, it's very different. There's different rules that apply, strategies that apply, and different ways to market properties in a spring market than in a winter market, and and more so in a typical market than a COVID market. All right, let me put you on the spot. Where do we go from here? Well, as we get back to normal, we're going we're gonna to settle in, and everything is going to go back into that same type of pattern that we had uh, you know, in a traditional year. So you're going to start to see... You know, January and February are pretty hot. There's not a lot of inventory, but there's going to be multiple offers. As we head into March, it's going to be a little bit slower. It's it's always March break, spring break. And heading into April, May, June, that's the peak selling period. July and August is going to be a little bit quieter as people start to settle into their homes and move into their homes before school starts. And then you're going to get a little bit more of a, a peak in late September, October, early November, and then it quiets down for Christmas time. So we're going to start to see the predictability come back. We're going to start to see the, the typical type of market come back. And it's not going to be that wild, wild west. We, we may even lose a lot of agents because they're not used to selling or buying in this type of market. So at some point, they're going to say, I can't do this anymore because it's not an easy market to sell in. This is where experience counts and you want to have the right realtor on your side in order to get you through, in order to get you to navigate the different things that are happening out there, you can't use the same strategies that have worked in the past. 
All right. So once March break, it's coming to an end this weekend, then they're back from their vacations. They're going to be back out there once again is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and typically some people will go after March break on their vacation just mm. because flights are so expensive and places are so expensive. So expect it to be another 10 days or so before people get back into that home shopping mode. All right, spring market, here we come. After the break, the micro condo. Is this tiny home for you? This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Over to Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with our next guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Joining On the Market next is York University Professor Ute Lehrer. Welcome to the show, Professor. Welcome. Thank you for the invitation. Professor, we've been talking a lot about micro condos, which uh, seem to be the, the route a lot of people are taking. Tell us a little bit about your research on micro condos. Uh, well, I mean, I have been studying the condominium boom for the last 20 years, and the micro condos, of course, have now become a dominant form uh, within that plan, uh, portfolio of uh, condo options. And that certainly has to do with different factors. Um, so I don't know if I should elaborate on these factors at this moment or if you want to ask specific questions. Well, Professor, can we just take a step back and can you define what the micro condo is? Well, it is a very small uh, condo unit that, um, you know, usually is under 500 square foot and, um, you know, has all the things that a regular condo would have, uh, which, you know, means a place to sleep, a place to eat, a place to cook, and a place to uh, wash yourself. And, and previously, Professor, uh, the bank shied away from financing anything under 500 square feet. But now, with more and more builders creating these micro condos, it seems to be... Uh, you know, very doable for banks and, and also for people to be able to uh, obtain financing for these. And it was seen as a foot in the door previously, but this may be a longer term solution than some had initially hoped for. Um, yes. Um, but it's the question is really a longer term solution for whom and for what. Um, I mean, it is creating certainly space to live, you know, for people and that they can afford both as renters and as owners. And, uh, you know, in the long run, actually, you know, of course, all this changes, um, you know, lifestyles and uh, family compositions. And um, so we certainly will have to live with the micro condo one way or another. And, you know, in a certain way, it is actually, um, you know, on the one hand, it's a good form for investors. Um, but on the other hand, it is also uh, a, some sort of solution to the housing crisis, which was, you know, 100 years ago um, in the 1920s, the architects at that time were actually focusing on creating small spaces for what they called uh, 
and you know the the, the low income i mean the very bare minimum income people so you know it has a historical trajectory this micro condo it doesn't came out of nowhere but it is interesting how it now has become so prominent in toronto and the price tag may be the draw whether it's a way for investors to get into the market or for some just that first time home buyer to get into the market but do you think that potential buyers really know what they're getting into with the micro condo uh no i don't think so i mean you know the uh, the the buyer i mean we have to differentiate between the buyer and the investor and it's very clear that the micro condos are you know, uh, positive for investors uh, that have some extra cash and um, particular also larger investors um, because the rents that you get out of these micro condos are relatively higher than with larger condos um, because you can charge more for it. But, you know, um, for the home, I mean, for those people that actually buy the condos um, themselves, you know, it might be uh, a little bit dif- difficult situation, you know, be maybe to be stuck in them in a certain way. And uh, because they may have thought they have enough money for financing them. But, you know, when the interest rates are going up, uh, that will change. And Professor, have you seen a difference in how micro condos were constructed in the earlier days to now, it's almost like a cruise ship where you don't notice how small these micro condos are because mm. they're very self-sufficient and, and they have all the amenities all built in to this smaller space. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the comparison to uh, the cruise ship is a good one. Um, it's actually also interesting that uh, a number of these developers that are are using micro condos in the development are coming out of the hotel industry or are also building in the hotel industry um, where, you know, the hotel room, of course, also, mm, you know, in a certain way is a space to live in um, with kitchenettes these days and so on. So there is some some sort of knowledge around and this is how, um, you know, these micro condos are being built but, you know, the advantage of the micro condos is that you, if you actually, because you talked about amenities, um, you know, if you live in a condominium building where there is collective amenities, such as gyms and, uh, you know, barbecue places and so on, then you have an extension of your smaller living space with the communal, the common shared areas where you then can also maybe host uh, people, you know, because certainly you can't do that in your own micro condo. Um, Do you think, Professor, as well, that um, people may think that, you know, this is my way into the market, but you still have condo fees, you still have a mortgage to pay, you know, maybe it isn't the best way to save and that way allow you to move into something larger eventually. What do you think about that? Um, Yeah, that's exactly the problem. You know, it looks very attractive uh, to enter the market and you always think that you move up 
uh, you know, in, I mean, at least the North American way of thinking of real estate, that you will buy later something bigger, particularly when you want to have a family and so on. And that certainly doesn't work in micro condos. Um, that micro condos are for really one person, two person max, uh, that are very close with each other. And, um, so because of the mortgage and amenity fees, and when you add all that up, those costs, you know, one wonders if it's not cheaper to rent somewhere and save money and then buy, uh, something that is more suitable. However, you know, not everybody wants to move up. So there's not one way of life. You know, there's not one path that we all have to go. I mean, there's a lot of people that are quite happy with living in small spaces and, you know, have their life more outside of their place where they sleep. Um, And uh, so why then use up more space? I mean, we also talk about density in cities and that we can continue to sprawl into our agricultural land around the cities. Uh, so somewhere we have to make compromises. But, you know, I my main point here is really that you have to have a diversity of lifestyles um, or diversity of housing forms in order to um, you know, to complement or to to give space for these uh, um, yeah different ways of living. So different forms of living and different forms of apartment buildings or condos are needed. And the problem, the problem, you know, with the micro condo is really on the other side that we have not built enough large condominiums over the last. 20 years, and this is only more recently that we built larger three bedrooms and so on, which of course are also relatively unaffordable for a normal person. Um, so this is a whole bag of problems that we see, but you know the diversification of the type of condominium is the right way to go. And do you feel that this is a solution to our inventory crisis if uh, builders were to build more of these micro condos and be able to get more people into home ownership. Do you think this is the right way to go? Because it, it it's sprawl, but it's vertical sprawl. And that seems to be the way that it, it, we can combat the inventory crisis. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, by calling it sprawl, but vertical, this is exactly hitting the nail. So there's not a lot of difference uh, between sprawling up or sprawling out, except that, um, of course, um, you know, what I said earlier about saving some of the agricultural land. But, you know, at the same time, we're actually building out. So we are kidding ourselves by arguing with densifying our cities um, and save the countryside, which we see the opposite happening in the greater Toronto region right now. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's a formula that theoretically would work, could work, but practically part of it is also that there's a lot of investment in it. So investors are the dominant form of, uh, the, the market. So, you know, um, 
when we look at the numbers, so the last, you know, between uh, 2016 and 2020, you know, almost 60% of the market was investors, while before, you know, it was uh, in the early 2000s, it was just one third of the buyers were actually uh, so-called non-owner occupied uh, condos. Great information, Professor. Thank you for sharing your insight and for joining On the Market today. Thank you very much. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. Janna in Woodbridge writes, A home two doors down from her own sold a week ago. How long should she wait to list her house? Again, a great question. And I I, I would wait at least until maybe a week after March break or so to get your house on the market. Uh, Again, you want to beat the rush, but at the same time, you want to put it up and have it sit when there's not a lot of eyeballs on it, a lot of attention on it. So let's make sure that people are back after March break and they're they're in the home buying mood again and the weather gets a little bit better. That always brings you know people out. We're going to have some great weather coming up over the next little while. So that's when you want to hit the market and you want to make sure everything is done inside and outside your house. Curb appeal is really important at this time. The snow doesn't hide all the imperfections anymore, so you want to make sure that's cleaned up, make sure your house uh, is fresh and clean and the windows are clean, and then put it on the market, and uh, you'll you'll be very happy with the results. You need to be at market value for your home. You know, if you're a little bit under market value, it's okay. But if you're pricing at a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand under value, hoping you're going to get twenty or thirty offers, this is not the right market for that. Our next question comes from Ida in Newmarket. Her question: My siblings and I inherited our family home. If we choose to keep it as an investment property, is our first stop to the real estate lawyer's office? It is, and and also your accountant. Uh, you need to pick, find out what the tax implication with that inheritance and also uh, with the lawyer, how they're going to be able to transfer title and things like that. If if the probate's already done and the inheritance is already done, then you're one step ahead of that. But I would definitely go to your lawyer and your accountant and, and get legal advice and accounting advice as to what the implications are of you inheriting this property. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can get me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Now, just before we go, the On the Market Hot Listing brought to you by Souk. That's S-O-U-Q-H, Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. Asif, over to you. You know, we're going to go to Georgina, and we've got 22 Glasgow on the market for $975,000. This is a little pocket of townhomes where the, the Average price has been over a million, a million forty, and uh, this is a great deal. It's a three-bedroom, semi-detached home. 
in Simcoe Landing, and uh, it's got everything. It is gorgeous, and it has two full parking spots plus a garage. You've got uh, a basement with room for an office or a bedroom, entertaining. You've got everything in this property, and at nine seventy five, this is quite this deal. And listen to this. Offers accepted any time. And this is what I mean with the market changing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these situations where you have to wait five days or seven days or 10 days to put an offer. Offers are expe- uh, ex- accepted anytime on this property. And where exactly is Simcoe Landing? Simcoe Landing is in Keswick. All right. One more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. This property is a three-bedroom semi-detached home. And it has smooth ceilings, pot lights, near ceramic floors, huge walk-in closet. There's no sidewalk, so you get the two full parking spots. You've got the one-car garage. So for a family that has two cars or three cars, this is perfect. Or, or even if you have two cars and visitors, uh, you know, you've got that room where a lot of these townhomes and semi-detached, they don't have that anymore. So this is a great property, $975,000 in Keswick. And you can contact Thomas Woodward at 905-478-1101 for more information or get Thomas directly, 905-505-1053. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.